The Third Magpie by M.S. Clements Read by Hannah Timms Episode 5 Hello and goodbye Melbourne Manor House, aged 24 I tell her it will be fine, they'll love her I am nervous, too. This is a return to my safe and comfortable world. I need their approval, their consent. Above all, I want their support. Melbourne Manor House's strong grey walls loom before me. It has been my sanctuary. It has been my prison. Smoke rises from the chimney before disappearing into the grey February sky. Inside, the sitting-room fire will be burning brightly, a glowing welcome for the student and his young bride-to-be. I fiddle with her engagement ring. It's too big for her tiny hand, and the antique jewels are digging into her flesh. I twist it back for her. We hardly cross the sitting-room threshold when Evie leaps out of her seat, running to me, arms outstretched. I struggle to breathe inside her enveloping hug. Her approval will mean the most. My fiancé is apprehensive, darting looks around the room. She is the interviewee waiting to be scrutinized by the Sheehan panel, who will evaluate her worthiness to become the wife to their young, damaged son and brother. A tentative kiss on Evie's cheek before taking a step back, apparently confused by the woman standing behind my sister. She whispers to me, I thought it was only family. It is, I whisper back. But before I can add any more, Evie is pushing Maya forward, making the introductions. Delighted to meet you, Sophie. I have heard so much about you through Finn's letters and calls to Evie, says Maya. Andy, no doubt irritated at not being introduced first, gets out of his armchair, tossing Dad's puppy off his lap. What about me? Surely I should get a chance to kiss my future sister-in-law. His temper softened while I was ill. Genuine concern ensured he was more cautious around me back then. But now, has his guilt served its time? My brother does not listen to his conscience readily. A handshake and a cold, awkward hug give me my answer. He indicates to the woman who's been sitting beside him. This is my girlfriend, Nisha. Nish, this is the idiot brother I've told you about. Mum had told me about Nisha, not the usual subservient girl Andy liked to dominate and betray. This time he had picked a woman as determined and confident as any in my family. I shall ignore you, she said, approaching to kiss us. We all know what a clever brother you have. Why didn't you tell me how charming and good-looking he is, too? Is she able to tame his outbursts? A raised eyebrow sufficient to silence his taunts, diffusing laughter to counter his temper. Will she be the glue to finally fix the brothers? I sink down into the familiar coziness of the sofa. Sophie seeks out my hand for reassurance, and I squeeze it in return. She is the last to enter, love written across her face, matched only by the emotion flooding my heart. I want to say how much I love her and miss her, 
Instead, I let tradition hold my tongue, using the bland words expected of a son of the Sheehan household. Sophie, let me introduce you to Mrs. McManus, our housekeeper. She wipes her hands on her apron before shaking Sophie's. Pleased to meet you, miss. Turning back to me, she grabs my hand and kisses it. I have been baking like a lunatic all week for my little one. I kiss her cheek to the sound of my brother's mocking laughter. <laughs> Mrs. McManus, he's a grown man now. Well, almost. She ignores my brother and kisses my forehead as she has done a thousand times before. He will always be my little one. Finn. Scarlet leaves descended from the maple trees standing beyond the perimeter wall, that red rain illuminated by the security light. It was a welcome distraction for Finn, as it had been 24 hours before. Meanwhile, behind him, every element of the humiliating security procedure was ticked off on the guard's tablet. At the tradesman's door, it was Mr. Johan, the commandant's butler, who was waiting for the handover. He nodded to the guard and said nothing to Finn on the two flights of stairs up to Miss Fry's sitting room. She was never there when he arrived. Only after Mr. Johan had exited would his pupil emerge from the door to the right of the fireplace. He presumed it was her bedroom. The strict rules of society protocol were followed rigidly and Finn waited patiently for permission to sit down. Once at the table, she poured her tea, leaving the slice of cake to go stale in the stifling heat of the room. Despite his initial nervousness, Finn was enjoying his tutor sessions with Miss Fry. He was right to suspect she was an extremely precocious young woman. They argued about Elizabeth. Did she marry Darcy out of genuine love, or did the idea of marriage only become attractive after visiting Pemberley? Cat was adamant that love did not play any part in Elizabeth's decision. Simply put, Elizabeth's choice was that of a mercenary. Darcy had proved himself weak when he proposed while visiting Lady Catherine de Burr. From that point on, Elizabeth was the one in control. Her teacher was not wholly convinced by her argument, but he accepted the possibility generations may have misjudged Elizabeth Bennet. The anxiety came later. Accompanied off the premises and his bangle checked, he was free to depart. That symbol of bondage would pinch his arm, but the pain was necessary to keep it hidden. Despite his late pass, the risk persisted of some young recruits hoping to prove themselves in front of a pretty girl by beating up a DIA, regardless of whether or not he had permission to be out. Relief came only after passing Mrs Carter's house and the safety of the cottage. Saturday, 21st November. I'm so bored of this rain. I'm bored with everything. Rain, school, daddy... Went downstairs today. There's much more to life than Elizabeth bloody Bennet. The autumn days ticked by, filled with bored schoolgirls and evenings either teaching Miss Fry or preparing for her lessons. If Sophie felt abandoned, then she said nothing. Their time together was brief, but it was her love that gave him the strength to continue to the next day. At 7.45 on the dot, he stood outside the guardhouse, soaked through by the bitterly cold November rain. 
bit wet tonight, isn't it? He commented politely to the dry guards. Place your bike over there and stand and face the wall. Never a hello, a smile, nor even recognition. The guards ventured out for as little as possible in their waterproof coats. Finn's jacket was worse than useless in the driving rain. Once in the kitchen, he removed his sodden coat, and without a word, Mrs. Fran took it from his dripping hand and hung it up near the perpetually hot stove, a pool of water gathering beneath it. Wet to the skin, he shivered slightly while standing by the sitting-room door, the fierce heat of the room penetrating his damp clothes. "'Come and sit down on the sofa, Mr. Michael,' Kat said when she entered the room. "'Um, no, I don't think I should. I'm really quite wet. I, I might mark the furniture.' Kat laughed and approached to examine him. "'You sound like a naughty puppy.' Should I make you sit on a rug at my feet? She squeezed the sleeve of his woollen jumper, the water oozing up between her fingers and dripping onto the floor. You should take off those wet clothes, she said, wiping her hand on her skirt. She disappeared back to her bedroom, leaving him reddening through the heat of embarrassment. She returned moments later, carrying thick white towels and a bathrobe. Now you'll be able to sit on the sofa. He mumbled his thanks and dried his face. Kat snatched back the towel from her tutor and tossed it towards the stove. Well, seeing as you're refusing my suggestion, then you should sit on the floor by the fire. I wouldn't want my furniture damaged. Before he could reply, she had thrown down some cushions for herself and was kneeling by the stove, adding more logs. Within seconds, the flames inside the chamber had converted to dancing will-o'-the-wisps, hypnotising Finn. He wasn't sure if it was the heat of the stove or the proximity of his pupil that was making him feel dizzy. Kat had removed her cardigan, exposing her bare arms to him. Arms that were long and thin, with firm muscles becoming defined as she altered her position. If you are hot, Miss Fry, then perhaps we should return to the table. I am quite comfortable, but perhaps you should remove your jumper. Your face is positively scarlet. Finn caught Cat staring at his bare waist as he pulled the sweater over his head, untucking his shirt. Embarrassed, he quickly tugged it down. Mr Michael, she asked, moving closer, her hand on his knee. What do you see when you look at me? Taken aback by her question, Finn shuffled away from her. I, well, it's not, I, I, I'm not sure this is appropriate. Kat leant back, sprawling her legs out in front of the stove, ankles crossed and her bare arms behind her, pushing forward her chest. Surely it's for me to say what is or isn't appropriate. Am I a child? A pupil? Or a woman? Who were you looking at when you noticed my naked arms? Stunned, Finn was lost for words. Cat got your tongue. His pupil laughed, making a snipping gesture with her fingers. She continued studying his every movement like a zoologist investigating her captive creature. We are defined by our birth, aren't we? You're an Immy and I'm the Commandant's daughter. Here I am. I'm your pupil, but at the same time, I'm your mistress. Doesn't that make me a woman? Finn remained silent, 
How could he reply under the circumstances? Every possible answer might be construed as an insult. She understood that as well as he did. He was trapped without an exit. It seems I am the adult in the room, but that's how it should be. How can a DIA ever be more worthy than an Albion? It's genetically impossible. Well, maybe we should continue. What do you think, Mr Michael? Finn stammered and stuttered his way through the lesson, his nervousness increasing beneath her probing inspection. Suddenly she sat up, her interest in the marital strife of Mr and Mrs Bennet discarded. She inched forward, closing in on her prey, whispering, My father has a wonderful library. His collection of books is unparalleled. There are music collections and films too. He smiled at his pupil, relieved at the innocence of her statement after her previous comments. What a wonderful resource. Cat Fry pushed herself further towards him, her lips by his ear, with her warm conspiratorial breath brushing his cheek and said, Do you know why it's so wonderful? All the books, music, films, everything, they are all banned. I beg your pardon, said Finn, his face paling with uneasy thoughts. She sat back onto her ankles, chuckling at his shocked reaction. Banned books, music, films, you name it. If it's been banned on the grounds of morality, then I can guarantee that there's a copy hidden in the basement library. None of the servants are allowed in there, just Daddy and me. And he's away at the moment. Would you like to see it? I'll take you. We'll choose a book for our next session. Have you read Nobokov's Lolita? Finn reeled at the thought of the repercussions if he were found using banned material in a lesson. Not even his father-in-law would be able to prevent the severe punishment it would incur. Incapable of a suitable response, he took his usual tack in stressful situations. Ignore it completely. He pushed himself up from the rug, escaping to the table. I'm sorry, I feel a bit unwell. Would you mind if I sat here? Cat eyed him carefully before getting to her feet and joining him. He continued with the lesson, but his train of thought was disjointed, lost in the prospect of arrest. You really have no need to worry. You are perfectly safe here, she said. There are no hackable devices in my private rooms. No one can see nor hear us in my wing. We are alone. Utterly and totally alone. Nonetheless, Finn did worry. He persisted in trying to change the subject, talking about Lady Catherine's role, but to no avail. She was equally persistent. Shall I lend you a copy? We could discuss Humbert Humbert. He is such a complex character, don't you think? You might even say it ties in with Pride and Prejudice. The Georgiana Darcy and Wickham storyline has certain similarities, don't you think? Finn's heartbeat sped up, drumming out the beat for a condemned man's walk. He needed to stop the conversation, stumbling out his reply. Miss Fry, I, I can't discuss banned novels, especially not Category 4 material. Are you frightened I'll tell? Scared they'll give you a punishment beating? No, well, yes, a bit. Please, Miss Fry, it's not available to read for good reason. We ought to continue. Cat laid her hand provocatively on his lap. 
her manicured fingers fanning out on his thigh, gently moving back and forth. False comfort designed to torment. I do mind. Austin can be so dull. We should widen our study. You forget that I am free to do as I please while in the privacy of my rooms. Finn plucked up the courage to cross his leg, removing her hand at the same time, his heartbeat deafening all rational thought, certain she was setting a trap. He posed an exam question to divert her attention. Did Jane Austen assume a woman's happiness can only be achieved through marriage? Do you men believe a woman's happiness lies in marriage? retorted Cat. The answer might lie in our basement library. He failed. Every innocent question answered with another perfectly poised to unnerve him. The panicked teacher glanced at the clock on the mantel, the seconds ticking down to another battle in what to say or do. This time next year I'll be married, only slightly older than Jane's Lydia Bennet. Was she happier for being married to Wickham? Possibly. But Jane depicted her as a foolish girl. Am I a foolish girl, Mr Michael? Not at all. You're an intelligent young lady, he quickly replied. Maybe Jane was commenting on wealth and position in society. People seek a happy marriage, but there is an argument to say that you are happier in an advantageous one. Finn began to sense a slight respite from the encroaching panic, interpreting her comment as a resumption of the topic. Go on. My father will be arranging mine. Believe me, it will be highly advantageous to both parties. However, it is down to a father's skill to ensure his own offspring holds the greater share of the power. Are we still talking about Jane's attitude to marriage? Cat got off the chair and rang the bell. It was nine o'clock. Let's continue this tomorrow. Before he left, Finn caught sight of Cat disappearing into her bedroom. She might be intelligent, but she was also very strange indeed. Whispered Truths Melbourne Manor House, age five. Safe and warm, I've curled up in her lap, pretending to be asleep. It's funny how adults can argue in whispers. They do it all the time, and it's always about me. You've got to stop doing this to him. It is not fair. Evie's voice is quiet, but I know she's angry. She sounds like Andy. What exactly? replies Mum. Her cold hands grab me, pulling me away. I don't want to leave Evie, but I mustn't let them know I'm listening. Evie's arms tighten round me, stopping Mummy from picking me up. You know exactly what I mean. He is more likely to be made unwell by your behaviour than preventing any illness. Don't be ridiculous. I am doing what is right for him. He's not like you and your brother. Mummy takes Kitty from my hand. There's nothing wrong with Finn. He's shy, that's all. You don't understand, says Mummy. Your father and you say it's in my head, but it's not. I won't risk it. Oh, for God's sake, Mum, that's all bollocks. He won't get sick from the vaccine. How many times do we need to explain it? Don't swear at me. Look, 
he'd be having a vaccine for a disease that is virtually extinct. Pointless to put him through it. I am not discussing this anymore. Now, let go. I'll put him to bed. I'm being lifted, soft shushing in my ear. Evie, sweetheart, one day you will have a child and you will understand the constant fear that lives in a mother's head. I think we both know that is unlikely, says Evie. Finn. Carl's lumbering walk through the graves alerted Finn to the imminent interruption of his peace. Your mum's birthday, he said, watching Finn lay a small bouquet of garden flowers on the bench. Finn nodded. Like funeral ushers, the men observed a moment of respectful silence before the little brass memorial dedicated to Eloise Phillips, beloved mother and wife. If Finn couldn't give flowers to his own mother, then this would have to suffice. A dead stranger who happened to share the same first name. You okay, old boy? Carl asked, placing his arm across Finn's shoulder. Finn smiled. Given you are ten years older than me, then surely you're the old boy. Carl acknowledged the accurate observation prior to ending his friend's act of remembrance by sitting on the bench obscuring the plaque. He delved into Finn's lunchbox, searching for anything more palatable than cheese. There wasn't. So, lad, not had a chance to catch up recently. Busy, busy, busy. What about you? Are you reinventing the past again? One day someone will catch you out, said Finn, sitting down next to Carl. Well, it's my only reward in this profession, apart from the pittance of a teacher's salary. Currently, the girls are under the impression that the Spanish Armada had fighter jets that were spectacularly downed by mosquito drones. Meanwhile, Sir Francis Drake is on Plymouth Hoe doing a line of coke before coming up with his cunning plan. And the girls believe you? Why wouldn't they? I'm their appointed history teacher. I must be approved by the ministry and therefore everything I say must be true. Finn was genuinely astounded and also somewhat scared for his friend. What about the devices? They can hear. You'll be arrested. Ah, now, that's the thing. Spilt coffee on it this morning, short-circuited it. The boffins can't fix it until next week, so I have one week of alternative history to impart on my little ladies. Remember, Finn, history is always written by the victor. The defeated are relegated to become the comic book villain. This week, the victor, and therefore dictator of facts, shall be the one and only Mr Farnborough. Why not tell them the truth instead of your ridiculous stories? So I amuse myself with my fantasies. What of it? What's the point of the truth? It only leads to heartache or worse, innocence recruited to become the doomed insurgents of the future. I like our girls too much for that. Talking of the little darlings, how are the tutor sessions going with the commandant's daughter? He elbowed Finn in good humour. Finn's cheeks warmed with the involuntary blushing of a blameless man. They had both heard the crude comments from the other members of staff, particularly Frank Harrison. Let me do a session alone with her. I'll show her what a true Albion can do. 
Doubt I'd be able to stand after drooling over those legs all evening. Finn paid more attention than necessary to a conqueror at his feet, softly replying, She is an extremely intelligent student. Wasted at this school. Wednesday, 25th November. Poor Mr Michael, such a frightened mouse. He does make me laugh, though. Cat was already waiting in the stifling hot sitting room when he entered, drinking her sweet mint tea. Finn hoped the disquiet of the previous lesson had passed and there'd be no recourse to corrupting material. He'd strive to be the model alien, watched or not. Come, she said, beckoning him to the table. You are quite the highlight of my evenings. These sessions make everything clearer for me. Thank you. Are you well, Mr Michael? She peered at his face as he took his seat. You look rather pale. The headache he'd been harbouring all day increased its stabbing pain. I'm fine, just a headache. Emboldened by her earlier compliment, he added, Um, Miss Fry, I, I was wondering if I might have a glass of water. Of course. Or perhaps some tea? Mr Yeoen will bring up a fresh pot. Just water, but thank you. Within minutes of asking, Mr Yeoen had returned to the room with a jug of water, fresh lemons juggling for space among the ice cubes. The citrus aroma filled him, awakening memories of a life before. Finn breathed in, wanting more. He watched the butler carefully fill the crystal glass, thanking him before Mr Yeoen left the room. Refreshed by the water, he turned back to Catherine, who was staring at him quizzically. Why did you do that? I'm sorry, do what? Why did you thank him? You don't need to do that. It's his job to serve. Oh, I see. He picked up his pen, relieved he was not in trouble. I suppose my mother's drilling in good manners means I thank everyone, even the ones that punch me in the face. You're such a funny little creature, aren't you, Mr Michael? Thursday, 26th November. These lessons could prove helpful. Mr Michael seems surprisingly refined. Catherine held up the silver teapot, ready to pour. Do you like mint tea? There was only one answer, regardless of his actual feelings towards the drink. Thank you, yes, very much so. It was your comment about good manners, she continued as the liquid gurgled into the delicate teacup. Finn shut his eyes, trying to remember what he'd said. Had it been taken as a slur against her? Was he now in trouble? When would the miserable guard come up the stairs and take him away for the justly deserved beating? What had he said? You said your mother drilled good manners into you. Without a mother, who's there to teach me how to be the perfect wife and companion? Daddy is busy, and certainly not Mrs Fran. Finn was suddenly filled with panic. No, oh, I'm sorry, miss, I, I didn't mean to insult you. It was a reminiscence, nothing more. If you say so. Cat indicated him to take his seat. However, that's not what intrigues me. I've never met a DIA quite like you. You have grace and good manners, most peculiar. My mother, it wasn't that she was strict, but she did have rules, and 
Some were strange, I'll admit to that, but I suppose we accept the strangeness around us when there is no one to tell you otherwise, replied Finn. Do you ever wonder what it must be like to be privileged? Halted by a thought, she paused and then looked directly into his eyes. Of course you don't. How could you? Catherine moved to open her book. And I wasn't insulted. These sessions should teach all the essential skills that the classroom cannot provide. If I pretend that you're a middle-ranking official, then I can practice my entertaining skills. Might I offer you a slice of cake? If Cat didn't bring up the subject of banned books again, then he was happy to play along. To him, she was Miss Fry, a confused child, seemingly abandoned to figure out her own way through life, rarely mentioning her father. Her bizarre games merely a training ground. She was experimenting on him. That's most kind, Finn answered, accepting the offer of cake from her. Cat soon tired of her little game her focus reverting to the fate of Caroline Bingley. I still consider Caroline the better marriage prospect for Darcy. As I said before, it is the advantageous nature of marriage that's important. If you're liable to lose more by leaving a relationship than by staying, then inevitably you stay. Darcy wasn't interested in Caroline. But that's beside the point. Caroline was of his class, wealthy and his social equal. It made sense. What about Anne de Burr? She was wealthy, too. Cat rolled her eyes. Oh, God, no. Too sickly, and she'd more than likely die in childbirth. No, Caroline matched Darcy. I'm sure of it. Elizabeth and Darcy's marriage would have soured. She'd only bring embarrassment to the marriage. How can that be advantageous to Darcy? Isn't love more important? Cat studied her teacher, lifting her hand and moving it towards his face. He leant back to avoid her, but too late. Her long fingers touched his skin, walked up the bridge of his nose and firmly pushed his glasses back into position. There is something puzzling about you. For an older man, you are extremely naive. And yet, I don't believe it. You are like the storybooks of olden times with all its uncut pages. Maybe I hold the blade that can slice you open. What do you think? Finn didn't think anything. Fear had gripped him. In his mind, he was far away from Miss Fry's sitting room. He was in a bathroom, and the floor was covered with blood. Thank you for listening to this production of The Third Magpie. To support our work, please consider buying or gifting a digital copy of The Third Magpie from Amazon or post a review on Goodreads. Register at pageupbooks.co.uk to stay in touch with future projects. That's Page Up Books, P-G-U-P, like the key on your keyboard, P-G-U-P books dot co dot U-K. Thank you.